اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته ويلكم تو ذا سفينه سوسايتي بودكاست السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام سو بيفور وي ريكورد ذس ابيسود دكتور شادي اولويز ميكس ا جوك ذات وي ار كومبليتينغ هانفي ظهر اند اتس اولموست اسر تايم No, it's well <laughs> into Asr time. No, no. Maghrib time. <laughs> it wasn't Asr time. It was in the time. Um, but while praying, I realized something. And I know it's not exactly the topic. But while praying, I realized uh, the five prayers, they are so... Um, they create a very habit-based uh, uh, concept in like a person's life that it really does situate you to... be able to uh, let me rephrase it uh when you're trying you, you ever heard of like atomic habits or like small habits where in because people aren't able to do things like oh let me just start going to the gym let me start uh let me let me start doing something beneficial something bigger you start with smaller habits and you start with smaller things and it was just just a the th- a thought that came to mind that the salah praying five times a day is very habit forming because it's something that that from a dunyawi perspective doesn't seem very beneficial but you have to stop your day and you have to do it you know i mean i'm sure many times if we've all felt it when you when you get home after a long day and you and you have to still have to read isha right uh but you still go ahead and read isha and like that little feeling and that push thing <laughs> i'm i'm sorry i'm laughing because of doc's face when you said read table of contents we got a book isha is all the way at the bottom of the table of contents isha Pray after yes, <laughs> <laughs> read it. Read it. You are literally reading nothing. You can't hold a book, Fresh. I find you you pray. <laughs> Doc, it's like how uh, it's like how you hear Egyptians or Arabs say that they're going to go uh, drink shisha. Yes. Ashrab. Whatever point you are making Moin is lost now. Move on. <laughs> well, the reason why People Wayne was making a good point about how like uh, <laughs> Salah is like calisthenics and yeah. fasting is good for weight loss. Just to defend myself here, the reason why people say read uh, Salah all the time, especially Daisies, is because yeah. in Urdu you would say uh, Namaz Pardo, right? Like pray. Like Pardo is like same thing for like read, right? But you would still say read uh, prayer. Okay, so yeah, that that's word the is the joke about drinking about drinking shisha, right? Because yeah. it's the same word, ashram. Yeah. <laughs> But there's Actually, no word. the same in Urdu too for for smoking. It's like oh, somebody is uh, feel yeah you yeah drink exactly you, you drink. drink it, drink up that tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what was my point? Your point was that it provides structure to a day where otherwise you might not have structure. I think that was your point. Right. So. before now so now that's gone so let's just now go to the topic okay <laughs> we're terrible friends <laughs> <laughs> all right so today the topic that i want to introduce is the idea of the breaking of a friendship i know we've spent a few topics in the past uh talking about friendship and what it means we talked about i think the levels of friendship I think the next thing that I, I want to talk about is friendship that's sort of broken or friendship that's sort of drifted apart. And, and I want to get, uh, I want to talk about why that happens and, 
and and why in the modern context friendship is so different uh, than than the way friendship has traditionally been understood. Well, let me open up with something. That's a good. Firstly, the modern and pre-modern is a very good point, um, uh, and I have something to say about that. But one of the things, the values. Someone might be saying, "Well, what's the value of this discussion?" I actually think that to identify what can harm you and to mitigate that is far more important. It's not even my thinking. I mean, everyone thinks, a lot of people think like that, right? Mitigating the harm is far more beneficial. You, you, you'll find yourself far more relaxed than trying to obtain something good. Then you have to actually worry double. How, however good something is, you have to worry about losing it, right? So the best plan, and, and that's what we talked about, about fear and pain in the last podcast, is that you actually structure your goals around what can hurt you and what you're afraid of and you mitigate that. So the study and the examination and just like sort of contemplating the issue of how friendships can go bad and how to avoid those pains as best as possible, right? Those are, you know, that's how it's actually going to make people's life a lot better. Yeah. One, one thing that I've always thought about <clears throat> when it comes to friendship is it's one of the only types of relationships in life that's almost unnecessary. But so let me let me explain. Yeah. When I say unnecessary, I don't know why you guys have to get on me for everything. <laughs> so let me explain you. Uh, this is why we need Nazmul on the podcast because he takes all of the hits. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I can actually host it properly. <laughs> when I say it's unnecessary, what I mean is you can, so something like familial love, the love yeah. that you get from your family and those relationships that you have, that's impossible to really avoid your, you know, most people have a mother and a father or some other familial type relationship. The other is the, love between a spouse or a significant other for, for a non-Muslim context, that relationship is for most people, it's there in life. And you could go through life without having any friends, but more than more often than not, you will very, you will likely have familial relationships and you'll have relationships, uh, you know, with the opposite gender. What you often don't have, and it's not necessary to have is friendships. You can you could get by life with just acquaintances. Right? There's lots of people who don't have friends at all. Now, uh, we choose to have friends, and I think that choice is what makes the relationship of friends different than those other two relationships. Wouldn't you choose to also have a spouse? Yeah, I know yeah. you were going to say that, but uh, I think uh, I don't know if it's possible to have a spouse without being able to form friends. Like in, in like, if you don't have the capability to like uh, be empathetic and and a lot of those things that form friendships, how would you maintain that in a in a spousal relationship if you can't do it with like normal people? <laughs> I'm just gonna let Alex take that one. <laughs> I mean, if you if you rewind a hundred years, the idea of spouse being your friend is ridiculous, right? It didn't exist. Like, yeah, it well, was somebody that your parents pointed out to you and we're like well, you gotta not, marry this person yeah, and you yeah. were both 14 right well, i'm not saying that in the sense of like that that's when you first get married right it's like hey this person and you you're getting married right but there's certain things just in interpersonal relationships that if you can't form a friendship around like oh 
like being able to relate to somebody or or any sort of human connection then how are you going to do that in a spousal relationship yeah i agree with that is that and the same also, as a friend? Yeah, it's not but, the same as a friend, but I'm saying is that the some of the, the building skills. blocks, yeah, for forming a friendship might be also present in like a marriage. Well, I, I would I would actually say that um, the, being a child, a son or a daughter, is more important because than friendship because friends it's something you do for fun. The old, the sole relationship is fun and enjoyment, right? And you come upon things you both agree on. Whereas son and daughter, husband, wife types of relationships, there's like life necessities involved. And there's no going back from this, right? These are permanent bonds. Of course, uh, biological is far more permanent than marriage. You could separate and have a divorce. But um, every single moment of your day, you're married. and, And you can't just forget about your spouse, right? So I think there's a lot more patience and more analogy, more things analogous to being a son or a daughter than there is in uh, being a, a friend. You can very easily walk away from a friendship. You can't do so with <clears throat> a spouse. Not so easily, right? And also your job with your spouse is not just to have fun and enjoyment. Like, for example, you guys. Practical. The moment, let's say hypothetically, the moment someone in your friend circle was to make, start obligating you to do stuff and asking you to do stuff, Right. You're like, okay, well, let's wind this friendship down a little bit <laughs> by not answering. <laughs> you don't answer every single text message anymore, yeah. right? You delay, okay? You make excuses. You can't do that with your mom, dad, or husband or wife. Yeah. True, right? Also, also, friendships are platonic, right? There, there, there is no. And and as a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say, in modern times, if there is any sort of deeper intimacy with a friendship it's it's automatically considered you know homosexual or um you know it goes beyond what when this is a good this is a good place let's define friendship versus yeah, yeah that's true i think that's what is acquaintances what we're right because to. yeah I'm, I'm running through the list of people that i'm friends with which is a big very long list and i, I don't know where the delineation point is between true friends and people that right. i just know yeah that's true i think it is a fuzzy point so I think we did have one podcast where we said that people have to learn how to make small talk and where you enter into from stranger to acquaintance and then from acquaintance to either companion or friend. And we have the two different uh, things. So we have in Arabic, you have uh, the the acquaintance is a ma'rifa, someone you just recognize and you know his name and he knows your name and stuff like that. That's most of the people you'll see in the local mosque on Aisha or something, right? And then you can go two different ways. You can either go to a sahib or a sadiq. And a sahib is someone who just happens to be in your company all the time. Right? So there are guys and there are people that in everything we do, let's say at the masjid, because that's where we meet, right? Um, I guess most Muslims too. Uh, they're going to be there. You, would, you don't exchange numbers. Years have passed by. You're happy they're there, right? It's nice that they're there. But years have passed by, you never exchange numbers. So he's a sahib. He's someone that if he gets sick, you'll call him. But that's it, right? Uh, so it's, it's sah- sahib is about you keep each other's company. You're physically in the same space. And then a sadiq is someone you actually go out of your way to, have, to enjoy time together, to keep company with that person. He invites you, you invite him, you go out to eat, you text, etc. That's a sadiq. And then you have the highest level which is the Khalil, 
Khalil is you're completely intimate. Everything that's yours is his. Everything that's his is yours. Okay. He knows your secrets. He knows, you know, all that stuff. You've been through wars together. So this is how we delineate uh, the, the differences. And <clears throat> it's not just the masjid. This, you know, not so long ago, whether if you lived in a small town or a village, not even a village in outside of the U.S. I mean, even in like small village type towns in the U.S., I could speak for my town in South Jersey. You guys don't experience this up there, but in in South Jersey, I remember when I was young, there would be fall festivals. There would be you know sort of block parties, and you kind of knew. I would say a significant portion of the people in this town, like in Edgewater Park where I lived, it, it was a very small town. You knew everybody, uh, not everybody, but you knew a lot of people in the town, right? Especially because there would be all these local events. And so, like you mentioned, those are the acquaintance type people. You're not really friends with them. You you see them and you know, it's like, oh, that's that's Mr. So-and-so that lives across the street. And, and you know, those are his kids. And, and, and you know, those, those, those are his parents. They live across the block over there. And you guys don't experience this in Central Jersey or... <laughs> other places but down here you know it's it's uh it's like this and so when you go back to you know like villages as well same same concept right you, you see somebody in the village it's not your friend it's like yeah he lives he lives here yeah or she lives here they're, they're here they're an acquaintance and so i think that's the first sort of line right and then i think the next sort of line is like dr shadi said someone you're a little bit closer to uh what, what did you call that marifa uh, a marifa is an acquaintance, right? Like okay. somebody that you, uh, you know, you people you know. And most, for example, I actually believe my philosophy is have a ton of acquaintances. There's no harm in acquaintances, right? And your friends choose them very wisely, right? And I personally, I would always choose friends from the you know circles of knowledge, right? Because at least we know that we have the common denominator down. This very important a resource of how to even like how to think, how to behave, even how to be with each other. We have this commonality. And also, you know, hopefully it should be that they're going to be kind and merciful. Right. And you don't want somebody, you don't want friends that are like sharks. You want them friends that are, uh, they look up to the merciful, the zohad, the soft type of mu'minin, you know, in their interactions with people. So you'd want to choose your friends really carefully. And a Khalil I don't know if people have that anymore, right? Because and people are very like someone that's what who I was going to ask. Does that exist anymore? I don't think that really exists. I think it, it it existed by force when people went to war together, like literally went to war together. Like if you were in bunkers together and your whole life by necessity was protected by this person, right? Or when you went like hunting together or something like that, or things where the situation forced you into it. And you, it worked out, right? And so, therefore, after the time of crisis, you maintain that, that type of intimacy. And I think it has less to do with crisis and more to do with just physical proximity, right? Like, when, when you think of the word Khalil, like, I, I think of close friends somewhere who you're kind of always together, doing things together, and they know each other really well. Yeah. Uh, they would, you know, take a bullet for one another, those types yeah, of friends. Those, those, and, and, in the past, and Saad and I were talking about this earlier, these, 
relationships existed because they lived in such close proximity and did the same things every day. And so in such close proximity, they woke up in the morning, you know, they, they go get milk or bread together. They work together. And then, you know, uh, at the end of the day, they're smoking shisha together. It was just a thing, right? There is no, let's make a plan. Let's get together. They just get together. They're just smoking shisha. They are together. You also had no time. Right. And, and if you saw that today, you would think it's somewhat of a homosexual type relationship. That's, you know, people pervert Not necessarily, it. Right. So in some, in some neighborhoods outside of the suburbs, that's still a normal way of yeah. life. Yeah, right. So your neighbors, the yeah, the people that you hang out with is people you see every day. You get up mm-hmm. whatever time you get up and you meet up at the same place and you guys spend the whole day together and you are sometimes put in dangerous situations and you are protecting each other and you have access to each other's homes fully. Like when I was growing up as a kid, my close two or three friends, they could just walk into my house. My, even if I wasn't there, my mother would give them something to eat. It was like a whole different type of thing. Right? Yeah. And those are, those, that's, I, I still have those that's friends in my, like I'm still friends with them. And I think those, uh, wherever uh, communities or families, it makes that a lot easier. Because if, if two people, two young guys, right? And the moms know each other, the dads know each other, the sisters know each other. You're, you're going to take that into consideration. It's a lot more than just two random people, like two right. individuals. I think growing up in the suburbs, it might be a little bit different because, you know, your houses are separated. You know, in, in, in an urban environment, you might even live in the same building in different apartments. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, mean, I think so a lot of it is You're still under the same roof, basically. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of it is also um, being able to walk to places. Right. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's an underrated aspect of proximity because in, you know, suburban areas where you have to, to drive everywhere to get anywhere, you're literally physically isolated from everyone else in your car. And yeah, so that makes true. a big difference. If you can't just like hang out on the corner with a bunch of people because you'll just look like a weirdo hanging out in some neighborhood yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the corner of some neighborhood, get the neighborhood watch called on you. So there that, are that's definitely it, an aspect. There, yeah, there was a total, um, you know, like a quaint charm to London, even though it was like a modern city and all that stuff, is that there are certain people who are always in the neighborhood. And usually there was the neighborhood homeless, <laughs> the neighborhood drunk, the neighborhood, you know, greengrocers and all that stuff. And that stuff had like a little bit of like familiarity to it, right? If it wasn't there, you wonder, right? There was a guy... Believe it or not, he used to sell the, the, I think, evening standard, the morning standard and the evening standard. That was his job. He was an old, a wrinkly, rotten old man, right? A miserable type of old man who would be up there while people were going to work and sell the, evening, the morning standard. Then on the way, people are out of the train, come out of the train, the evening standard. Every single time he would see me or my wife, he would say a comment about Muslims right? <laughs> okay. He would say something, uh, sorry, this is not for you. It's in English, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now this guy, uh, would every nonstop now because of like a Muslim upbringing, we never said anything because the guy's like a grandfather, age of a grandfather, right? Not like a grandfather, but he's at the age of a grandfather. So we're not used to like telling people off who are that old. And also we're like, the guy's cranky. The world changed on him real fast. So we should forgive the guy, right? And, um, well, we didn't see the guy for two years since we moved. Okay, We moved out of, the, out of Archway. We moved to Angel. 
Now, it so happened that two years later, after having not seen this guy for two years, they didn't even remember who he was, we end up seeing him on the bus, right? And we're like, we know that face. Who is this guy? And he's looking at us. He's like, where have you guys been? Right? Haven't seen you guys oh, in wow. ages. And he goes, uh, well, what if, well, I said, what are you doing here in this part of town? And then I remembered who he was. And he's like, oh, I'm going to prepare for my, uh, going to the undertaker, prepare uh, my casket and my funeral, my will and everything so my kids don't fight over anything and my wife doesn't have to worry about it. And then we asked him and they were like, oh, is there anything we could do for your family, blah, blah, blah. And, he's, and he starts telling us about his family. So how did this type of marifa develop from into a very, very light acquaintance, right? Enough to, me- to remember it, right? Nothing more than that. And it was just by seeing each other all the time. Every morning we see him, every afternoon we see him too. And that's something that, you know, is you regret missing. It obviously doesn't exist in the suburbs, but that just goes to show you years and years and years of seeing people is nothing like it. You end up forgiving everything they did, right? And you realize like you're on this bus of life together. You're on this train of life together. You're all going to the same destination. So there's no point to bring up old stuff. And by the way, the beauty of it is that you have so many interactions, you actually can't keep track anymore of what bothered you. You forget. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I remember a lot of things bothered me about the guy, but I can't even remember. You know, and, you, and there are people in the community like that. I know that officially I'm supposed to not like him, but <laughs> it's too much of a hassle to see somebody every single Juma, right? And not like him. And also you're going to say Salam so many times that there's, a spiritual element to removing dislike between people, right? So that's where in the community, like we have people in the masjid, they say some of the most uh, absurd things after every Jum'ah, okay? And if a stranger would get upset, but right. we having known the guy and having like, we visited him when he had a heart attack, you, you went to the kid's <laughs> wedding, he has a free pass, right? <laughs> To say that nonsense, right? So, and that's that's basically what the the value of constantly seeing each other in community is. And that's and that's why most people say that some of their best friendships have been. I mean, at least in today's society, they'll say some of their best friendships have been in college, uh, because why? You're living, you know, a lot of people live in dorms. They live very close, and even in college, you have a lot of shared experiences together. You go to the same classes together, and even after class, before class, you're always hanging out. It's yep. this physical presence of being together all the time yeah Um, and uh uh, let's take the example of just this podcast right just due to the nature of this podcast i mean i wasn't that great friends with alex before this but you know just due to the nature of working together for so long on this podcast you guys feel like great friends right um and uh you know i i posted a, a little image that loneliness you know it develops not from actually being alone but it's because you have inadequate intimate connections yeah. uh, and unresolved sort of conflicts with people and so that the, the next step i want to go to is what breaks friendship and what sort of causes people to drift away okay who wants us to go first i mean sometimes it's a natural growth process right so you your lives moving different directions and you no longer have uh any, anything in common that you can share your your goals and your aspirations and just the the shape of your life is different yeah and there's you just can't keep up with each other and that's yeah, where so, the 
physical proximity makes the biggest difference because you don't have that physical realm to sort of keep you together. Are yeah, you saying uh, that yeah. excessive, like, I'm trying to pinpoint what about, you know, if we're saying that today, right, these, these kind of bonds are, are more rare, is it because proximity is harder? And, and if, if that's the case, why is it harder, right? Is it because, you know, a lifestyle thing, like what, it, what, what about it causes that to happen? Yeah, I think that's precisely it. I think it's I think it's the way that we live. We live separated and really isolated in our own little bubbles, um, away from our communities and away from our neighbors. And you know, w- when you don't have that, when you don't see your neighbors, when you don't know them, and, and I don't mean just the person that lives right next to your house, but like right. your neighborhood neighbors. Yep. There's no way that you're going to have any kind of relationship with those people, and those are some of the most basic, normal relationships that people used to have. The yeah. people in their neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, our neighborhoods are not this. Our neighborhoods are designed so that you don't know your neighbors. Hey. You, you go straight true. from your house into your garage, into your car, and you drive off. Yeah, that's true. Take a simple sunnah, like visiting the sick. Um, if you've ever been overseas and gotten sick, even the neighbor will come visit you. Yeah. Right? They'll just come see how you are. Nowadays, you get sick. You know, it'd be rare if your, your own brother comes to visit you, right? <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, I joke, but I mean, I do the same thing, right? Like my brother will get sick. It's not That's like absolutely I true. Him every time, every time, right? Text messages is enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Technology if, also contributes to this. Right. Even if that, right? It's like, oh, you all right? <laughs> yeah. One popular reason why uh, friendships don't last anymore is because the nature of work and jobs switch so often and people Mobility. physically move. Like every, yeah. some people physically move every seven years or every decade, they're in a different. So if they were friends on the job, if the job was the mold, uh, the, the thing that bounds their friendship, that won't last for sure. Right. On top of that, people uh, can advance in such a way that there are too many choices in life. So if they choose to go and live, you know, a certain lifestyle, they could do it. Right. So there are too many choices. Whereas in the past, you know, life's, life was a lot simpler. You know, you didn't have a lot of choices, which sometimes wasn't good because if you were stuck in a bad situation, there was no way out, okay? You know, some people, they, they go on kicks these days. There are these extreme kicks is another reason friendships go out. So if you had a friend who got into a, you know, maybe a, a group or a movement, joined, you know, uh, some kind of diet movement or something like that, that actually might have an effect, Okay on a friendship like because if if that's your new their new crew let's say someone has a weight problem and they get into they go to an extreme and join some group and they're now friends with a whole bunch of nut jobs right and you're actually not want to you want to eat bread okay and this actually could become a source of decrease because now they're always hanging out with the organic people right and you're actually normal this sounds like a very personal experience (laughs) (laughs) sounds like there's some trauma behind that statement (laughs) i'm telling you they they there are there are people who and i think maybe it's more to the women's side but then the guy side but it's the amount of choices and you never know who's gonna start getting into some weirdo movement tomorrow right so so doc are you saying that um if if we're choosing friendships based on like a 
bundle of common interests. The fact that people are changing their interests so often and what they're into and kind of what causes and movements they're trying to be in, that that contributes to just uh, a falling apart between what you considered were your friends before, but now they don't have the same values. Yeah, exactly. So it dropped. There was a drop down because they added to the pot, to the, to the pie, something that you didn't want to add. Right. And then for them, it became maybe took up 15%, but that's 15% less in common. Now you guys have just never now because they need the support for their new movement. They're always hanging out with that crowd. They're on that WhatsApp list now. Right. And they hardly see you anymore. Just, just imagine that after the last election, right. Uh, your 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 group of friends all of a sudden became like super anti-Trumpers or super pro-Trumpers, one yeah. or the other, either way, mm-hmm. right? Like they were never political. You guys were never really about politics. But after this election, it was so uh, seminal. Do we to have them. to imagine just, that. <laughs> 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 I mean, could you hang out with those people anymore? Colossus, yeah. Like Colossus. you really can't. Like they're always yeah. constantly like, oh my God, they're trying to impeach him. It's all a yeah. conspiracy or vice versa. Oh my God, how can we not impeach him? It's the worst thing that ever happened in the world. He's orange. Yeah, like, and, yeah, and how about you can't hang out with people like that? Yeah, how about people who have a great reason to turn their life around, which is the dean to make toba, and they mm, want to yeah. turn their life around, and you see a great change in the person. It's wonderful and inspiring, but then they catch on to momentum, and they catch so much momentum that they join a group, and how many people have sort of friendships have drifted away because a right. person got so much momentum in the dean. And he joined a specific like tariqa or view or a new group of friends. Now, in the beginning, he needed it. His life was falling apart. So he needed some deen, but then he latched on to a group. And that group, like, you know, was a little bit different than how you want to practice, right? It could be, and it, and it doesn't matter what school of thought. They could have joined a Sufi group, could have joined a Salafi group, could have joined an activist group, any type of group. But it started off as something direly necessary that you're happy to see, but it took a trajectory that's now out of control and you're no longer friends. Or I would say, you know, have you guys faced a situation where in order to salvage a friendship, you'll stop talking about certain issues or discussing certain topics with that friend just because you know it's going to devolve into... Uh, disagreement so you say you know what for the sake of maintaining at least an acquaintanceship bond yeah we're, uh, we're gonna scale this back and just you know just be cordial with each other as opposed to getting very deep on on certain topics Alex is shaking his head he's got something <laughs> oh, you, to say <laughs> you know why I, I try not to do that because right. at the end of the day you got to like me for who I am right um, yeah that's true. I, I mean I won't go out of my way and bring up stuff that's uh, that I know is gonna be controversial Triggers. but <laughs> If you don't like my position, you know, you the other person can take that that point of view where they don't bring stuff up. Yeah, yeah. It gets uncomfortable. Right. But I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I got to be myself. You yeah. know, uh, I have the uh, the privilege of being able to have the mimbar, right? <laughs> so I'm going to say in general terms what I believe at the khutbah. You know what I said because it's out there. You've been there, right? So you know what not to bring to the table. By the way, last the last khutbah, me and my wife were talking afterwards. Yeah, um, there were some great moments. One, oh, you were like, talking about a, a Jewish tribe in Medina. Yeah, you said that 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 tribe had come up with a final solution against the Muslims. Oh, yeah. Such yeah. a loaded term. Yeah. <laughs> the best part was when uh, he was talking about uh, Ali Allahu Anhu emerging victorious yeah. with, with his head, on, head the on the sword, and like there was some people walking by behind in the park. I was like, this is. Great. 
I actually looked. <laughs> I actually looked, and I made a quick demographic judgment call on whether to complete the sentence or not. Because <laughs> it was great. I was proud of you. <laughs> but there you go. People would self-select out of friendship just because of that, which, you know, in that case, you don't have to hide anything. And I think <laughs> this entire problem is exacerbated by the fact that, one, like you mentioned, interests change on a daily basis now. Yep. Uh, people's attentions and because people's attention spans are so weak, they can't keep those interests for a long time. And so people are, are hopping in and out. And now uh, instead of online, I mean, in-person physical meetings that people have, a lot of their time spent with people is virtual. A lot of their time spent uh, talking to people is digital through the phone, um, through text messages. And I think the physical presence of a human being yeah. is is lost onto people today. Yeah. Uh, and, and they don't really understand the physical value of, uh, of having a person you know, near you. I, I give the example oftentimes of reading. Um, uh, if, you, if you read, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan a believer in reading physical paper books over digital books or uh, all, you know, all things online or like a PDF because there is more to reading than just the words, right? For me, and, and I've, I've heard this somewhere else, that there, when, you, when you turn the, the pages, there's a tactile feeling to the paper that, that calms your mind, things like that. And so when you re- meet a person, it's not just about the, the relationship and the words that you're exchanging. There's an actual physical presence that is totally missed, even on a video call. You're not going get to that, get that physical presence. Just to add something about what you said on books is that uh, reading from a paper, ink on paper, actually calms the mind. Whereas if you read from a PDF on an iPad, it agitates. It you. actually wakes up the mind. Yeah. It's very hard to fall asleep to an iPad. Right? Absolutely. It's very easy to fall asleep to a book. Yeah. Right. The Kindle is better if you use like a Kindle yeah, because the yeah. e-ink, it's better. But I've I've found uh that paper I mean, I like the sound of paper, as weird yeah. as that as weird as that may be, but just turning the pages and hearing the ruffle of the pages. Yeah. And, and I mean this is unrelated, but even um there's been some research on like the, the actual physical act of like turning a page um, in a book has implications on like information retention as well. Oh, wow. So, so there's actual stuff like that. The mechanical physical action also reinforces uh, also, yeah, the all, aspect of it. Also underlining sections in a book, it's far more easier to flip through the pages to see the lines that you underlined than to scroll through a PDF. Right. I mean, but, I'm a guy who I, I wrote all my exams in blue books in law school. Yes. Yeah, I was like one of the only people doing it. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, the thing is that people also have different degrees of sensitivities regarding friendships, right? Uh, I hate to ha- see conflict between Muslims, right? I just hate, I've always hated conflict. And I've had people who, who are um, conflict prone and watching that was always like harmful. It was always bad to see constant fallouts, constant conflicts, right? I don't mind certain conflicts, but not, I don't want to see I have a conflict with Muslims and friends and community. That's such a drain on, on a person, right? So someone may, the, the solution to this might actually be to fashion relationships in a way where there's not so much invested 
you're not overly invested, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, is that you don't nag on them. You don't ask them for so many favors. You don't, your, your personal lives are not so intertwined. Like you have half of your stuff is at their house. Half of their stuff is at your house, right? Your kids are always babysitting there. You're actually creating too many opportunities of friction, right? And in a world full of variables now, it's going to be, it's just a matter of time where that friction develops. So I sort of developed a technique where the bonds are built on the place, the things that we would both go to, right? Without necessarily, you know, uh, you know, being our choice. Like Salah, for example. It's not our choice to pray. Hajj, for example. Or Umrah. When you see people there and the, the bonds that you have there. Uh, the masajid, obviously. And then other things like when they're sick, their weddings, their funerals. All the things that it seems that it's Allah who's commanding you to come here. He's bringing you together. So if it's Allah who's bringing people physically together, then you should have, you know, have a lot more hope in that type of relationship than something that you chose to come together upon. Likewise, what hill to die on? I'm not going to make a big deal on something that Allah would not permit me to break a friendship over it. Right? Like there are views that could go both ways. It's not, I would not get heated up enough about that and break a friendship on that because that's something Allah has forbidden that. He's forbidden you break up a friendship, for example, on climate change, on you know, dietary things. Someone's in, a, in one of these kooky diets. You can't break a friendship. You have to stay friends, right? <laughs> I really want to know who broke, which friend of <laughs> yours broke. Doc's vegan friend. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, it's a real example, though, because those people will stop talking to you if you eat meat. Yeah. I'm telling you. They and, get real. They get real. Or decide to sacrifice a goat on Eid. No, and I personally <laughs> take offense at someone who comes to my house and doesn't eat my chicken, Right. For some reason, like they even like they they don't think you don't it's halal according to you or something. So at, if I see that multiple times, I'm gonna try not to look at your plate. But I can't help myself that I'm affected by that, right? And things are gonna <laughs> drop, right? Uh, you know, in my heart, I don't want them to, but they will. I, I think you have to blame the broader Arab community for that. Yeah, they okay, have a maybe, bad reputation. That's true. That's true. You go to uh, somebody's they, house, they, they tell you it's halal, but it's Purdue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I bet people like in other countries think we're nuts, like when it comes to the halal stuff. But anyway, yeah. I digress. But I was saying that, you know, if there's a matter that Allah would not allow me to cut this person off for, right. and I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'll right. say my opinion, right? And I welcome him to say their opinion. And we should both have an agree to disagree position on this, right? <clears throat> right? On that, without affecting relationships. Like, you know, some people have, it, it, all, most political matters can go both ways. <clears throat> point. Um, I will say to your earlier point that having friendships where, you know, you create too many friction points and, and it's yep. not... That's a good way to good. put it, friction points. Yeah, I'm not sure if I totally agree. I would say that... Maybe having, to, if every other person you have in your life is, is like that, then that's clearly a problem, right? Yeah. If even a lot of people like that in your life is clearly a problem. Even some of the people in your life is clearly, I, th I would say only a 
you know, uh, you could probably count on your hands how many people in your life are like that. And, and that's the way I choose, the, the, the way I see it is the, the your very, I, I think Khalil type friends don't even exist anymore in the modern context. But let's say like a, a step lower than that, like a best friend almost, right? Yeah. You're not going to have, if every person is your best friend, you know, if every other week you have a new best friend, if every other month you have a new best friend, that, that, that's not your best friend. Right. That's true. Some, yeah. <laughs> so what you know what I call that? Uh, too close, too soon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and that's dangerous. And I would say that if I had a Khalil, believe it or not, it's possible in places like New Jersey for born Muslims. Why? Because they grew up together in the same family, usually small little intimate communities. And if in place like New Jersey where the jobs are all here, the colleges are here, there's yeah. a high likelihood that you went to the same school, same college, and you worked in New Jersey, and you married from the same community, and you live now in the same community, and you take your kids to the same, you know, masjid, right, and stuff, things like that. If you have that with somebody, even if you weren't friends back in, in as children, you have so many connection points. That's opposite than friction points. Now they're connection nodes, right, that... You are really close now because you share the same life trajectory. Like, for example, me and uh, uh, Mahmoud, right, who Alex knows. When we were growing up, he was on the periphery because he was the younger brother of someone who we were friends with, right? He was on the periphery. But then 10 years later, he's still in the picture. 10 years later after that, he's still in the picture. And now it's like, you know everything about my dad and mom and my family. I know everything about your dad and mom and family. And now we're still in the game together in, in this position, in this town, in this area together. But it's a default, default, very close friendship by default, right? Of just time passing and, you, and people staying in the game together, right? When no intent was made, right? Even until now, it's almost like I, uh, the idea of contacting him you know, for no reason, doesn't come up. But as soon as he's in a building, that's where, you know, we would gra gravitate towards one another, right? That, that's, a, that's a type of friendship that grew because it's like a, such a strong acquaintance over decades, right? And that's where it gets its depth from, not necessarily by trying, right? Or by being too close too soon or stuff like that. Um, I hope I can make this point properly, but... I think there's also a problem nowadays because there's sort of this commodification of human beings. So let me explain yeah. where I come from. Uh, because we, we, we kind of look at everything as having either some, some value from a you know, value that it's going to bring into my life and, and, and the way you purchase things, for example. People treat uh, finding a spouse this way too, right? Uh, how can I find someone that's the best? Oh, this person, I don't like this person. Let's, let's keep looking. You know, maybe perhaps there's someone better. It's like purchasing a car. People do the same thing when it comes to friendships nowadays. Right? It's, is this person bringing me value? Are they, you know, a, you, you could even treat this, you know, are, are they getting me towards my like vegan lifestyle? Are they getting me to? <laughs> so you're, uh, you use them. Yeah, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, utilitarian utilitarian yeah utilitarian is the right word utilitarian use of people and we do it almost subconsciously and i think it happens a lot more so because of social media because social media treats 
everybody like a friend, right? So, you know, how many times have you talked to somebody and you'll say, oh, I have a friend. And it's like, oh, what's the friend's name? It's like, oh, I don't really remember. But it's like, you just remember them because remember them as a friend because, you know, you have them on social media and it's like, oh, I can, I can hit this person up. They're a friend. It's like, they're yeah. not really a friend. You just kind of know them, right? <laughs> and so there's this like value that you derive from people um, because we've just been trained from, you know, these, the, the, from the corporate... That's- individualism right and selfishness in the culture alex so i you know my my take on this whole subject is that and this is why i brought up that one question that i said is like how do you differentiate between a friend or an acquaintance or what have you and um i don't think that that differentiation should be something that sorry let me let me restart that i don't think that the other person should be able to tell um whether you're their friend their close friend or somebody that you just, you consider them just an acquaintance if they're your Muslim brother. True. Non-Muslims, you know, you deal with them in that utilitarian way often, or sometimes you might genuinely like a person and cool your friends. Yeah. Um, and then you should be giving dawah. But and for your Muslim friends, they should all feel the same and they should all feel like they're your close friend. That's a great point. That's and I don't mean point. it in an insincere way. I mean, like yeah. you should actually treat them in a way where they feel like, Oh, Alex really, really likes me. And when he sees me, he smiles. He asks about my family. Yeah. Um, I never feel uncomfortable. Like I can't talk to him. Right. And I think that that's, that's our responsibility to them. So I think that this, and I mean, and I know that there's an ideal and then there's what's real life. And in real life, we sometimes don't do that. And we don't, we don't do, but I think what we should be focusing on is what we should be doing, which is that's a great point in the best way possible. That's a great point. And also you should, we shouldn't extend friction points too much to people because if they have to say no, we, then we become offended. For example, there are some people who are not phone call people. They don't like to text. They don't like to talk on the phone. That's the reality of people. Now, if you don't know that about them, you're going to get offended, right? When they don't call you back, they don't answer back. It, you sort of extended that. There's no rule of thumb in the, you know, in the Dean that you have to answer back. You know, it's, it's sort of a rule of thumb we, we you know, culturally, people should answer back, right? They should answer you. But let, there's nothing like hard and fast in the dean that says that, right? And therefore, we should have that flexibility and not extend ourselves too much into friction points so that they don't get uncomfortable. And that's exactly where a lot of people who don't have friends, this is their problem. They don't have not taught, haven't learned how to judge friction points, right? I remember um, a brother complaining about another family that they would constantly ask anytime that they wanted uh, uh, to go out, hey, can we drop our kid off, right? Because they had a kid the same age, right? And then we're, we're watching this from the side. I'm like, that kid's there all the time right? You're asking for trouble. And lo and behold, what happened? One day, the other mom just got fed up, right? Because it's too much. It's not like something, it's not the old village where it's safe and come in the house, go out of the house, you know, it's not like that. So it's extending that friction point too much. You're asking for trouble, right? And you've gone too intimate, too fast, and you're you put the other person in an uncomfortable situation. No. I think that has to do with family size too, Sheikh. Yeah. 
my wife growing up, um, her very closest friends to this day were his big Palestinian family, you know, lots yeah. of kids. I don't even know how many. Yeah. She used to be there all the time, but it was like not an additional burden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's just so many of them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great point because if that's what you're accustomed to and those families, it is, it's totally true. Like uh, we had one family that was pretty big and they had cousins in the house, in the house, uh, living. And they had um, a whole nother family in the house, had a hard time. So they were a whole nother family was living in the basement. The grandma was living there. It was like public house almost, right? right. It was like a place where, you know, the, they're going to be wearing hijab anyway, right? Because that's how they live pretty much because <laughs> their circumstance required that. So uh, yeah. it was never a burden to go to their house. Whereas when you have like two, two kids in the house, they're used to a lot more quiet, a lot right. more space. And then when you go there, the mom's like making food. Okay. Where like she treats you like a guest. Whereas yeah. you go to some of these other households. Yeah. You fend for yourself, right? You, you <laughs> not making you food, right? The dad might walk in not knowing who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it was like. The dad comes from work. Uh, he comes from work from New York. And he looks around, he's in a daze, and he just sees that there are more people than usual. So I, I, I can attest to this because I'm on the flip side of this. Yeah. I, I have a family in which we would almost always, so I mean, I have a very large family. Yeah. And even though I only have two siblings, I mean, I only have one sibling. Um, we, a thousand cousins. I have a thousand cousins. So literally people lived at my house almost 24 hours of the day. Yeah. And not only my cousins, they're friends. <laughs> and so yeah. we have a guy. So we have two people, particularly if you're ever around me and they're with me, I always introduce them as my cousin. You'll find oh. out months later, they're not my cousin, yeah. but like in my mind, they're, they, they've basically just become my cousin. now. And, and I, to this day, we get treated like cousins and we treat them like cousins, but they're not family, right? They're, we don't, we have no blood bond with them at all. But, but and just, I mean, being Daisy, that doesn't matter. You can marry them yeah. anyway, right? That was low. That was low. I was, I was going to add, resist. I was going to add, I think, you know, if you grow up in that type of environment, you have no sense of personal space, right? Like, it's not a thing, exactly right? You, you, you don't have a sense of like, oh, this is my house, this is my room. And like, I feel weird now that somebody's entered my home into my room. I remember there was a comedian uh, that I watched a while back who who compared like the experience of having guests like 20 years ago and then having guests over now. Yeah. And he was like, when you had guests before, like the whole family would get excited. Like they would <laughs> rush to the door, look out the window, like, Oh, we got guests. Yeah. And now it's like, you see guests and like everybody runs and hides, like act like close a light. Yeah. We're not home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that's, that's part of the difference is that now because of that, that emphasis on personal space and creating those boundaries, we're also less able to accommodate friends into our I, lives in that way. I think that if friends are so important, it deserves some degree of study, right? Like what we're doing here, we're thinking about things that make it or break it. Doing a background check is actually pretty important because if you have a background, <laughs> what I mean by that I know what he means. I know yeah, what he means. For example, if I know that Sad has a huge family, I shouldn't expect immediate response of text message, for example, right? I shouldn't expect him to be have the free time for me, right? If I knew that Sad is all alone, right? He's the only child. 
then when we text, I should expect that it could, or have a phone call, I should expect that he has time. So this might be long. And he might not have the barriers. He might not know the barriers of when to stop or the concept that other people are busy. Mm. And that was exactly, uh, growing up, there were people who were so well-adjusted to, to, to socialization. It's the people, it was the guys who had brothers, right? Who had a busy family and had a lot of brothers. They know when to start, when to stop, how to start, how to stop, how to deal with all different people. Whereas the only childs were very weird, right? They... <laughs> They needed to take courses on how to be friends, right? They needed to uh, adjust. And it took them maybe like socialization. They they didn't know how to socialize, right? And they had breakdowns if you didn't answer them, for example, if you forgot to invite them. Now, you guys, you you have a, a guy, a family with six people in the family, 10 cousins, and then all their friends. They they have earned the right to forget somebody, right? But that only child takes it so personally, right? Because he has no concept that how you could forget somebody because his life is not that busy. So that's the idea that if friendships are really important, then we should have, you know, little, a a little bit of a concept of who we're dealing with, how much time this person has, what they're accustomed to, et cetera. Like Palestinian families, like Alex said, they tend to be very big. And as a result, you know, they may, you know, it comes with, with a lot. Whereas small, tiny families, totally different. They expect personal space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you right now, I have cousins whose kids' names I don't know. Who, uh, and I'm, semi, I'm pretty close with those cousins, but I just don't know the kids' names. There's just so many cousins. I, just, I would have to go ask somebody. I would have to remind myself. I'd have to ask them to remind me. Remind me what's your kid's name. Uh, and, and I have cousins. Sometimes I'll even forget their name in the moment. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that, so when you have a large family, that's what, that's what happens. So I was going to ask um, Doc, but uh, from an Islamic perspective, what rights are owed to your friends, if any? There's a baseline that the Prophet ﷺ gave, not as friends, but as something which is a religious category of your brother in Islam, right? Another Muslim who has not displayed um, brazen and shameless public sinfulness behavior, nor heresy. He hasn't displayed any of those two. Uh, and you shouldn't go prying. He hasn't displayed them. You owe, you owe him some very basic things. If he invites you, you should accept his invitation. If he sneezes, you should say, Alhamdulillah. If he gives you salam, you should answer him. If he gets sick, you should visit him. And if he dies or his relatives die, you should attend the, the funeral, right? Really, the Prophet was talking about him, right? But commonsensically, you would attend the funeral of his mother or father too. So that's so simple, right? right? That's what, you know, that's so simple that it can transcend time, place, and everything. And that's the prophetic nature of things. It's something that every human being can do these things. Now, there is a tradition uh, of uh, futuwa. And in the book by Sulami, uh, Sulami I mean, on futuwa, he talks about the, the rights of people who take each other on as brothers. And he says um, that the Salaf, they used to say, I will take you on as a brother. I wish to take you on as a brother. The other would say, do you know how great that responsibility is? And that their responsibility is that you never see them without reminding them of Allah and of death. That everything that's theirs is yours and everything that's yours is theirs. That you never allow him 
to be slipping into something makruh or to leave off a sunnah without advising him. That you never blame him or hold him, you know, uh, that he's guilty of anything, for example, just by a suspicion. You always give him husnadhan in how he treats you, right? And other things like that. And he gives like a very serious, it's like a serious intimate bond of brotherhood for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's not necessarily um, from the deen per se, but it is from, you know, the righteous people. They used to do that. They used to behave like that. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I, I actually had another point, which is that part of staying and having good friendships and, and staying uh, involved is that a person should have his own deep spirituality. When you have your own deep spirituality, it sort of disallows a person from collapsing when a person wants to move on, right? Like we should be able to accept that people might want to move on, right? Because it's not haram. There was nothing binding on them to be you know, this close to us to begin with. It was a complete at-will agreement, right? It's an at-will relationship. So I should be ready at any moment that people say, Khalas, you know, I, I just I don't want to talk anymore. I don't want to go to do what we used to do. So I should have a real deep spirituality and mental preparation. I'll be happier if I do that. Okay, it's up to him. I'm not bothered by it. This is Hayatid Dunya. This is not the abode. This is not paradise, right? It's the abode of parting ways. We're going to part ways anyway by death, right? So if he wants to part ways in life, khalas. And to the degree that I'm hurt when someone does that, I sort of grade myself on that. And if I get hurt, if someone, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't oppress me. He just wants to move on, right? And if it sure it happens to everyone a couple of times. I don't want to be, you know, collapsing. It's human nature that we're going to be upset. It's not realistic what I'm saying. But if you do that even 70%, it's good. Is that what happened with your vegan friend? No, no. <laughs> 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 that was probably one where I probably got a C on that, right? <laughs> I, His vegan friend moved on and he just, you know. I, I, my tics is someone who, you know, does not think, you know, someone who, you know, they look down on you on Dini matters, right? Like, oh my gosh, you're eating that food. Or that they don't answer you on the, uh, on the phone or text. Those are my, I would say, weak points. I guess I should train myself you know, to be even lighter on my friendships than to, to care about those things. So, Sheikh, and this is not from any great spiritual depth or anything, um, but honestly, I mean, if somebody didn't want to talk to me, I don't even think I would care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, again, it's not because I'm, you know, spiritually advanced or anything like that. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, there's other people in the world. There's, yeah, there's bored. If, if you're bored of me, that's, that's fine. I mean, I don't understand it. I feel like yeah. it's your loss, but... <laughs> I think that's a blessing. Honestly, that's yeah, a blessing. yeah. Sometimes it's fine. You know, if 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 there's something about me that you're not you're not digging, yeah, I'm glad you're moving on. Alhamdulillah for both of us. You know, yeah. And to it's, be honest, you know, God, so, you know, it's like you see this a lot in non-Muslim culture where people uh, will be like hyper jealous and suspicious of their uh, significant other. Yeah, and like checking their phones or following them or checking their social media. Yeah. And my, my, my thing on that is, why? If they want to go, encourage them. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to hold on to something that doesn't want to be... Like, good. Help them I'm out. 
I'm the same. That's, way. That's I'll true. encourage you. I'll go. Oh, good, good. Yes, pursue that. Inshallah, yeah. it's better for you. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am, what, and yeah. why am I acting like that's the last person on earth? Yeah. If you're if and you're uh, following somebody, if you're chasing somebody, and that's the nature of the friendship or the relationship, it's really bad. That's unhealthy. You know, you're you're you. There's something wrong with you, actually. If uh-huh. you're chasing somebody, right? That's probably why they don't want to be around. Yeah, because you have a, a void. I think they're actually, they've taken the friend to fill a void that a human being cannot fill. Right. 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 And that's where spirituality and Islam and Iman come into play, is that there's certain things only Allah's belief in Allah can fill those, that thing, right? And that's not just, and sometimes certain daddy issues or mommy issues, right? You had problems with your mom and dad, uh, and you expect a friend to fill that. Not going to be possible, right? And that's why I think you know, moms and dads are so important. Moms and dads are so critical because if you mess that up, they're going to actually seek that to fill that void with other human beings, and they're going to be more traumatized when those other human beings, you know, reject them. And they're going to do it in an unhealthy way in the first place. And they're going to look. Exactly. And they're going to look for that from the worst kind of people to fulfill that from. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we're actually like 10 minutes away from Mugger, just Mugrib. FYI. Yeah. That's why Saad went to pray us. Because <laughs> 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 it was a good one. I was going to ask, did we already cover um, what kind of feelings people have as a result? Oh, of, that's a huge of, point. Thank you. Of drifting friendships and how to handle that. That's the point I was going to make, actually. Okay. So Great. what I was going to say is when people drift apart, and I think it happens a lot nowadays because what we were talking about, you know, Alex mentioned somebody doesn't want to talk to you and, and it becomes a big thing. It's, it doesn't, it's not really that big anymore. People, people don't drift apart in that, uh, right. in that manner anymore where with they're the like, bang. oh, with yeah. the bang. It's just, <laughs> it's just, hey, what have you been up to? Like, oh, I've been streaming the last, you know, five seasons of Netflix. Yep. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm not trying to <clears throat> chill right now. Right? Well, <laughs> you know what this ties into? Types of friendships. There are certain types of friendships that are more beneficial to one side than the other, Right. Yeah, and, and it you know doesn't that? even have like, to be from a utilitarian perspective. Right? Yeah, it's like, for example, you know, uh, some, someone is really advanced in some way, shape, and form. Another person is aspiring, right? That friendship, it's not a mentor relationship, but it's close enough that it's a friendship relationship, right? That friendship is actually very sort of dangerous in a sense because the moment, you know, you don't really care as much about them than as they care about you. And I would warn people from... You know, to try to identify those friendships and to be very cautious how you tread in those friendships. Because the moment that bigger person, tread, uh, you know, breaks the bonds or snaps on you or steps on you, you're going to be totally crushed, right? You're going to feel worthless. You're going to feel like a lot of opportunities have closed up on me. You're going to feel like something's wrong. They're going to move on with all sorts of fun stuff and I'm going to be out of it, Right. So I would caution people. Now, we didn't scientifically cover this and say types of friendship, but I would say that the greatest suffering comes when there's an imbalance in in that type of friendship that's imbalanced, right? And then as soon as that person just starts ignoring you and doesn't care about you, it's going to be really crushing. So, but I would take it. Now, how to deal with that? 
as an opportunity for spirituality because, and I see spirituality meaning nearness to Allah. Take this as an opportunity that Allah says, I'm with the brokenhearted ones for my sake, which means <coughs> that when they got brokenhearted, they turned to me. They, did, they turned to dhikr, they turned to Allah, they turned to remembrance of death and afterlife uh, as opposed to turning to alcohol or something else, right? Or, or drugs or womanizing or something that, that people usually do. So, or backbiting and revenge and anger, which is much more common even for regular Muslims to do, right? So I should, we should take it as that's how you heal from it and you should take it as a spiritual opportunity. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to throw this point out there just to, just to incite you guys. What about uh, uh, friendships that people have with the opposite gender? There's no such thing. There's yeah. There's no such thing as that. <laughs> how how, I agree. how how can you be how can you be friends with someone you're not allowed to look at? <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> you know you know what else? And and obviously there's there's a lot of real world implications to this. And uh, you know send the hate mail towards me only. Yeah. You know the typical disclaimer. I don't represent the. <laughs> we should have that like warning and at the beginning of the podcast like the fbi has that warning yeah. like the- yeah. alex's comments do not represent the podcast or any of its members views um i don't think that men and women should work together i, I totally agree huge with that. yeah i agree huge like especially if it's if it's the uh if it involves a lot of private messaging one-on-one or physical space yeah i mean just in the same office you know yeah. Like I, I, and I know that that has real world implications and I'm not being prescriptive here. I don't know what the solutions are. I don't know how you walk back in the modern world, the way that we have it. And I don't know how you address the fact that women won't have opportunities or men won't have opportunities in certain fields or whatever. I, I don't know anything about that. What I do know is that men and women in the same workspace is, is a formula for all kinds of problems. Yeah. And, and what all we could do is put the immediate thing, no khalwa, no touching, and all messaging should have a third party. That's your immediate stuff that everyone a, could apply right now. You got to huh? have that marum in the Slack chat. <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or just like, <laughs> right? I mean, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a med school professor who's also a sheikh who one of his policies is he never meets with students behind closed doors. Right. He just never did. And this is oh, long yeah. before Me Too. Like, and he probably apl- just has yep. to apply it to all students so that he's not, seems like. Yeah, no, it's no students yeah. behind closed doors. Yeah, he just Bar- doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I remember when uh, you remember when Pence was saying that he doesn't have dinner with his female colleagues, like oh, one, one, and he got yeah, roasted for that, right? And and but it's actually a very pragmatic. Uh, and, and he hasn't and been sensible too. Role. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't exactly. And Keanu Reeves always shows up in these um, these commercials, right? As somebody who's really funny, how he, ho- he ho- when he puts his arm around people now, there's like a foot of air, right? <laughs> In between his arm and their shoulder, yeah. if it's a girl, right? Yeah, I mean, probably if it's a guy too, right? I mean, Corona has solved a lot of these issues that Alex yeah, was talking about. We're at home, you know, working from home. You don't have to be alone with anyone. It totally has, <laughs> totally has. Distancing, all that. Yeah. Probably- so, the one thing that would have been nice, uh, you know, to to see if anyone has categorized types of friendships, and then they how they, huh? It's called. He's called C.S. Lewis. Oh, okay. What is it? <laughs> it's called the four loves. Oh, okay. And then how they can go bad. And what is the nature of the pain that people feel? Because people really feel a really, um, uh, what's, you know, it, we call in Arabic, which means that it's a type of feeling and pain 
that makes you so like you don't even want to eat you don't want to sleep you don't want nobody could pull you out of this funk that when one of your friends you know starts treating you badly it's one of the worst things yep. but it is one of the best opportunities for spirituality and that's the summary of that we should people should go back to that uh, type of spirituality and take it as an opportunity to grow with Allah and by the way Oftentimes, so many times, if you turn back to Allah, he can change the situation and you realize it was all mm -hmm. a misunderstanding to begin with. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me personally, right? Where maybe I didn't sleep well or, you know, uh, uh, something was blocking my vision of things and my thinking of things. And I had a bad suspicion about the way someone was treating me. And I was just upset for a whole day. But if you turn to Salah on the Prophet, especially... Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadan tibbil qulubi wa dawaiha wa aafiyat al-abdani wa shifaiha wa nur al-absari wa diyaiha wa ala alihi wa sahbihi sallam If you turn to that salawat, you realize like in a day or two, you actually totally got it wrong. Nothing that what you imagined was actually taking place. It was just a suspicion shaitan created in your head. And it's also, we actually believe that you know, your perceptions of things can be changed. Allah can change the reality of things, right? Yep. By re making, showing you that the per your perception was totally wrong. So I think Maghrib is right around the corner. So yep. I think we can, just we can wrap up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, I apologize earlier about cutting you off. Uh, the point I was bringing up about C.S. Lewis, I'll actually give you guys the link to the summary that he the, that's on YouTube on the four loves. Um, <clears throat> and he goes into it in more depth than I've seen any other person go into it recently. Uh, but he breaks down the, the four loves and, and the, the values in them and, and why they're important. I think I brought it up the last episode too. That's an excellent read. Yeah, it's a great read as well. I read the book. I, read, I just saw the video, but the video is basically, it's an audio book version of that chapter of, the, of, the, of friendship. Did he, uh, did, did they, uh, they didn't make a movie out of it? It's not really like movie. It's not it's like, like an, a, it's like essay. It's, yeah. like oh, an, it's, it's like an essay, basically. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. They will one day. Just give it some time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can like, make it. Eat, pray, love. No, because it has a Hollywood ring to the title. Right, the four, four loves. loves. Four I mean, loves. I guess you could make a movie out of it, but it would have to involve people acknowledging the existence of God and. Oh, yeah, okay. that's Probably. that's this automatic Doubt. disqualification. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, <laughs> you can't yeah. talk about God. Yeah, that's what Kanye said. By the way, somebody did do the Screw Tape letters as a stage play. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, it's a Christian. Uh, it's a Christian theater group. I I, I went to see it in Manhattan. It was very good. Oh, nice. That's also a very good read, the screw tape letters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. By the way, just as uh, before we close up, it's really interesting what's happening to Manhattan, man. What is happening? Yeah. I mean, it's it's becoming a ghost town. There's oh the you know the the plays yep. broad Broadway used to bring all the shut traffic. down. Now you have things like you know companies that pay million dollar rents, like Victoria's Secret. Yep. It, you can't go there anymore. Right, all these things are shutting. All these. <laughs> oh, wait, that was a little joke to sad, but. <laughs> <laughs> wait, well, why would he be going there? That's what's funny. It's <laughs> not a single guy. Why is he going to Victoria's Secret? <laughs> That's why all of these stores cannot pay their rent anymore. Nobody's going. It's just the restaurants are closing down. There was right. a guy who said, it's just interesting before we close up, there was a guy who said that he had a little grease truck 
This guy makes millions of dollars, these grease trucks. Don't be fooled. Millionaires, because they have two, three around yeah. the city. He, and he said his business model <laughs> is as follows. His entire annual cost for the license, for the food, for everything is covered on tea, croissants, and bagels between the hours of 6 in the morning and 10 in the morning. His annual costs are covered by that four hours Monday through Friday. Then he has he serves lunch and then he serves he takes the trucks to the games and sells like pretzels you know things outside the games whenever there's a Knicks game Rangers game Yankees game all that stuff right he said whatever he serves for lunch whatever he serves for dinner whatever he serves at the game is pure profit his expenses are sold, are are covered in the breakfast only so they were asking him how many for example how many hot dogs would you sell in the evening 400 hot dogs, right, in the evening. He said, now how many are you selling? He said, if I'm lucky, 10. How many cups of coffee in the morning? Four, 500 in the morning. How many are you selling now? If I'm lucky, seven, right? Because no one wants to touch a cup from somebody else. <clears throat> and yeah, so, grease trucks was even worse. not from a truck. Exactly. So look at all this stuff that's how this in New York is Eating changing. Dirty, wadi, for the, dirty for water dogs. That, yeah. For the foreigners that listen to us. I.e. the non-Americans, a grease truck is basically like a food truck. That's just a food truck. Yeah. cart. Yeah. But they sell greasy food. That's why mm-hmm. they're called grease trucks. Yeah. Yep. And, and they're they- wearing greasy shirts. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, folks. Uh, it, it, I was going to said all right, like three times now I have one more point. <laughs> yeah. So the, the same thing is actually happening in a lot of cities. The same thing is happening in like consumer stores. So people are buying clothes less, people buying lots of things less. I mean, Home Depot is thriving, but like everything else is just is just dead because yeah. consumer habits have also changed because the guy that was going in every morning and buying like two Red Bulls at 7-Eleven, you know, he lost his Red Bull habit. So no, yeah. he's no longer going and doing that. And yeah. so a lot of these places have seen like huge hits. And that's why the market I mean, I know I talked about the, the market crashing earlier, and it's been a lot slower than I expected, but the economy is just in shambles uh, all around, not just New York City. I mean, it's all around just in shambles. <clears throat> but there are upswings. The market had a bounce back, actually. Yeah, yeah. Home, yeah. <laughs> home Depot is actually going through the roof because everyone's home, and they're lo- noticing the holes in their walls yep. now, and they're fixing them. And, yeah. and their wives are like, you're sitting at home. I know. But exactly. even, but even stuff you never fixed. Honestly, even, even consumer spending habits aren't the best um, metric of this because yeah. a lot of people buy stuff um, on credit. And so habits might not have changed, but people right. just might be under a lot more debt, which is also happening, which very is a true. precarious situation. Very true. Take four. All right, folks. Thank you very much. All right. All right. All right. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. My doorbell rang. This is weird. It's a different feeling when your doorbell rings today opposed to 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, your doorbell rang. That was a happy moment in your house. It's called company. 
be sitting there on a Thursday night watching TV. Your doorbell rang, the whole family shot off the couch. Oh my God! <laughs> Put the lights on, somebody's here. We got people. <laughs> I, the whole family went to the door. The kids were in socks, they slid up to the door. Nobody looked to see who it was. Right, you just opened up the door, you were like, oh my God, look at that. Look at who's here. And you'd ask him, what the hell are you doing here? And the person would be like, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I might stop by, see how the kids are doing. They're like, oh, come on in. We're gonna have some cake. <laughs> Your mother had a little Anthemans. Maybe some Sara Lee crumble cake. Just in case company came over. She made an announcement when she bought it. She's like, listen, nobody touched this cake. This is for company only. Those crap muffins, those are for you people. better hope to God somebody comes over so we can cut the cake. <laughs> she put her cake in the middle of the table, proud of it. And she put it right in the middle. Cut yourself a slice. Want a cup of coffee? We're gonna do co Want some Sanka? <laughs> Man, that's old school. A lot of the young kids are looking at me like, what is that, an iPhone app? What the hell is Sanka? Your mother had a tin, brown and orange tin of Sanka, ready to go just in case the company, she put a big pot on the table. Go ahead. Nobody had a cell phone back then. If your, if your, if your, if your house phone did ring, your father stood up and said, nobody get that phone. We got company. <laughs> and you lost track of time. Two hours went by. You were like, we got to get out of here. And said, That's okay. Next time we're going to come by you. Be like, yeah, my door's always open. <laughs> now your doorbell rings. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Right, your own mother's crawling across the kitchen floor. Get down my army crawl. Army crawl, get in the closet. Go get the sword in the living room. Somebody get the sword underneath the couch in the living room. There's a sword. All right, you have to turn and ask your family, you invite anybody over? You invite anybody over. There's always that person upstairs that didn't hear the bell. They come walking down. What the hell is going on? Get the hell down. Somebody's outside. They're at the door. I think they saw movement. Oh, God. I got to open it. I got no cake. I got no sink. I got nothing. Got nothing for these people. You can't.
get stopped by anybody's house anymore. If you do, you have to call from the driveway. You're like, I'm here, can I approach? It's me and three other people. We're gonna walk up through the side. Is that your mother with a sword? Why did you have a 